Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm right here. It's my time. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hi. Here we are, episode 50. Oh, we made it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why we're acknowledging it really, but it just it feels like a milestone of sorts, doesn't it? Yeah. It's got a zero on the end. Begins in a five. Yeah, I mean, here, here we are, half half century. Wow. Uh, which means we're nearly at the one year mark. Oh, yeah. But I, I think it might be slightly askew because remember we took some time off over Christmas I mean not that's mm. not that that affects the um, mm. year mark does it but uh, I don't think in other words I don't think episode 52 will be our one year anniversary right right I'm not much of a celebrator am I so you're not really no no, no. Um, 23rd of August I've got in my head does that sound right for the first episode I know it was August okay <laughs> anyway uh, so you know let's let's just all take a moment to congratulate ourselves uh, congratulate ourselves that, that we got Got this far. Um, when you knocked on the door today, I was in quite a situation. Oh, yeah. So I'd gone to the loo. Hmm. I'd gone for a sit-down loo. Okay, thanks. And yes. um, and then I went to take a piece of toilet roll. Okay. And my wife had done that thing, you know, I think people have talked about it a lot. You do it in couples, where basically you don't want to be the one to change the toilet roll. Oh, you mean if it's on a holder? Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah, we don't have a holder oh, to so... solve that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> you just rest it on the back of the system. It's better. better. <laughs> so, so anyway. Um... I never thought about it not being nice before. That's really funny, isn't it? I'm just <laughs> yeah. so used to it. <laughs> so she she had left um, one sheet. Oh, okay. Yeah. On the, which, you know, wasn't, wasn't ever going to do that. That last sheet that stuck to the cardboard tube. Mm. So I pulled it and realised it was only that. That wasn't going to do the job. Mm-hmm. And and basically the cupboards with the toilet roll in them aren't quite within reach of the toilet. Uh. So I'd say they're two and a half metres from the toilet. Yeah. So what I did was I launched myself off. So imagine me sitting on the loo. Yeah. I launched myself forward onto my knees. Onto your knees? Okay. And then did, I think they, in yoga they call it the downward dog. Oh, wow. With my arms outstretched to reach the cupboard. Okay. Whilst trying to without going into too graphic detail use use the muscles in my gluteus maximus to keep my buttocks apart <laughs> and it was at that exact moment at which you rang the doorbell so I'm so sorry yeah so 
You know, like when animals present, you know, when they're going to mate. That was very much the that was very much the position I was in when you when you rang the doorbell. It's lovely, but I managed to get you know I didn't leave you waiting that long, right, did yeah, I? Yeah, just thinking back. Yeah. No, no, yeah, so. worryingly quick to be honest. <laughs> uh, the the other sort of vaguely humiliating thing that happened is last night I was FaceTiming my mum, hmm. which I do probably most days so she can have a look at Jean. Oh, that's nice. And my niece was visiting, my niece Beth, who is like 19 years old. Um, so, she, you know, they're both making faces for Jean and having a nice time. And then I, I turned the camera towards me and say, hi, Beth, how are you? She went, I'm all right, Uncle Jeff. Oh, are you having a pyjama day? <laughs> and I was just in my normal clothes. Yeah. And that just makes me think, maybe I have really let myself go. Yeah, I've become accustomed to this freelance life and it's become the new normal. But for somebody to say, are you having a pyjama day when you're not in your pyjamas? Well, hold on, I didn't know there was such a thing as a pyjama day. I mean, <laughs> Probably every day is a pyjama yeah, day for you right, or me. Right, true. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please, please get in line and stand by the wall. I'm not going to shoot you. This is a show called Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. As ever, we would love to hear your story. If you've got a story that you've buried down deep in your psyche, it gives you a little knot of anxiety every time it rears its head, um, then we would love for you to uh, share it with us in a cathartic way. Uh, you can email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Laura writes, I once wrote in to the radio show many years ago asking for advice for talking to a cute guy at work. I believe the advice I received was, Annabelle, ask him to a disco. (laughs) (laughs) And, or Jeff, pull the fire alarm so you'll have to congregate. Oh, yeah, this is good advice. (laughs) Yours is better than mine. Ask him to a disco. I didn't either. Because oh. usually, usually my advice of anybody after asks that kind of thing was bottle it up, don't show your feelings. Yeah, yeah. You'll just be humiliated and rejected. That was quite proactive, the fire alarm one. Yeah. I worked at a 24-hour media company and his office was a glassed-in sort of control room that was unavoidable to pass on the way to the on-site cafe. A nightmare workspace, in my opinion, as he undoubtedly had to be seen and to make eye contact with the hundreds of employees who passed by daily on their way to breakfast, lunch or dinner. Awful. If he was in the booth when I passed by, I'd always wave and he would wave back. At this point, I should note that I'm in the US and here, soccer, I guess what we call football, soccer is perceived very differently than in the UK. US soccer fans are, to stereotype, largely actual or wannabe liberal, hipster, intellectual NPR listener types. Conversely, American football fans are more closely aligned with UK soccer fans. Right. Well, once again, a bit of stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned soccer because this cute guy's wardrobe appeared to exclusively consist of soccer jerseys. This is a remarkable fashion position for a US guy to take, particularly in the workplace. On days when he was in the booth, I'd go back to my desk to try and figure out which team he was supporting based on the colour of that day's jersey. I think I ascertained that he supported Liverpool and the Mexican national team. But then he could have just liked red and green. The only time we'd ever spoken was the day someone had dropped a hat outside his booth and he taped the hat to the glass wall with a sign saying, Do I belong to you? It was not my hat, but a fellow co-worker who knew I liked him knocked on the glass as we walked by that day, causing him to leave the booth to talk to us, thinking that the hat's owner had been found. They was talking, I'm sure. I must have said words, but can't remember. Blocked it. (laughs) Sometime post-hat, I went to the cafe to pick up breakfast. He was not in the booth, but instead the last person in line to order food. My first instinct was to retreat, but I'd been seen 
and I wanted breakfast, so I got behind him. He smiled and said hi. I did too. As I stood there, I could feel something, an unstoppable force, some might say bravery, bubbling up in me. This was my chance to be a normal person and talk to a cute boy. It was then that I recognised the jersey he was wearing that day. The line moved. He was next to order. Feeling my opportunity to speak to him was slipping away. An opportunity to speak when I actually had something to comment on. I tapped him on the shoulder and in a surprisingly loud voice, very audible by everyone around us, blurted out, I like your England. (laughs) He said, oh, thanks. Then turned to order while I stood behind him in line, completely red faced and horrified in the wake of the blurting. Whatever he ordered was ready in moments and he moved up to the till. I was standing, mortified, in line among everyone who'd witnessed my weird outburst. (laughs) I managed to order something that seemed to take 100 hours to prepare. By the time I got to the till, he was sitting at a table facing the till. I paid and walked over to the napkin and utensil station, which was by the exit. I looked over to the table and saw England get up and begin walking towards me. And we lived happily ever after. Well, no, since I'm a drifter and not equipped to move past an unfortunate <laughs> blurting incident by laughing it off, making small talk out of it and getting a date, I bolted. For unrelated reasons, I left the company shortly after and never saw him again. Oh, but you did like his England. I like your England. Your England. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Okay. And this is from Distinguished Regent, Fergal Keating. I not only always put my foot in it, I get the boots on and take a leap right in with my big, stupid, socially inept mouth. I've had a few very awkward social moments, but one of the worst happened a few years ago in Bristol. There is an annual jazz festival that is hosted by the Old Duke. It used to be the local of a certain Ackerbilk. It's always busy and unless you've brought a camping chair, you'll be very lucky to get a seat on any of the wooden picnic benches they put out. As luck would have it, a couple got up just as my wife and I were hanging around hoping to grab a seat. I sat at the end of the bench and my wife sat in the middle. Opposite me was a woman and her husband sat at the end of the table. As we got chatting with this couple, the guy asked if I liked cider. I informed him I most certainly did. He pulled out a gallon container with some homemade scrumpy in it and asked me if I wanted some. I did, and boy, was it potent stuff. He generously filled up my now empty pint glass and got out another full container of this local firewater. I asked, did you drink all that other gallon? He said he did. Bugger me, I said, you must have hollow legs. To which he replied as he pulled away from the table in his wheelchair, I ain't got no effing legs. (laughs) I just stared at him like a rabbit in the headlights. He got a touch awkward, as you can imagine. My wife gave me that look only an exasperated (laughs) wife knows how to give. His wife looked on at me in complete horror while the man in the wheelchair stared at me as I mumbled some sort of apology. (laughs) We left shortly after. Probably one of the most awkward silences ever, though, was when my sister-in-law came out of hospital. She'd had some emergency surgery on her woman bits. I'm still not exactly sure what she had done, but I do remember the warning from my wife not to say anything stupid as it's a very touchy subject. The day she came out of hospital, she came to ours for a meal. As she came in, I got a bit nervous as I really didn't want to put my foot in it. If only I'd started off by saying, how are you, instead of, how's your... 
It was the longest (laughs) and shortest moment of my life as time seemed to zoom in on me like in a film. I desperately tried to say the right thing. Instead, I asked, how's your fanny? (laughs) 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 Awkward silences don't come much more awkward. They just looked at me. Oh, that's so good. If you've got something like that you'd like to share with us, I mean, not specifically like that. I mean, there aren't too many of those stories out there, but maybe there are. Uh, email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. This is your favourite programme, Adrift. Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Annabelle. Yeah. Got a little story up your sleeve. I have, yeah. Uh, it's not up your sleeve, it's on A4. But, yeah, 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 it's true. Yeah. Uh, what's it about this week? So I think it's now a very normal thing to say, I hate talking on the phone. Mm. I did think that I was alone in this, but now I quite often see Instagram posts of stuff like, sorry I missed your call, I was staring in horror at the screen, wondering why on earth you couldn't just text me. <laughs> and these things get thousands of likes, don't they? So I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely not alone. I think you're pretty much the same, aren't yeah. you? But I also definitely didn't used to feel like this. No. When I was a teenager, I could talk on the phone for hours to people that I'd just spent all day at school with. Like, what are we talking about? Me and my sister between us rang up such a huge phone bill that my dad put a lock on the phone. And I mean a physical lock on the rotary dial so you couldn't make any calls out. Which worked until we figured out you could easily take it off with a pair of my dad's stamp tweezers. Did I tell you my dad used to be a stamp collector? No, no. It's very much at odds with everything else about him. But yeah, for a long time he was a stamp collector. So me and my sister also used to call up chat lines where you could just talk to strangers on the phone for fun. Chat lines, yeah. I just think there was less to do in those days, isn't there? Like I can't think of anything worse now than even talking to one of my best friends on the phone, let alone strangers. Yeah. Did you ring the chat lines? Yeah, did you? Yeah. Oh, God. I can't remember what we were saying on them no I can't imagine it was very interesting I mean something like felt exciting because there were people from around the country I mean even that felt (laughs) exotic at that point didn't it oh there might be someone from Basildon oh maybe (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah So I think it's partly because that's how most people feel now since texting came along that I hate using the phone Mm. but partly also because of two bad experiences I had on the phone both happened at my parents house The first was when I was living with my parents after having gone interrailing around Europe for three months. Apart from I didn't go by train, I went by bus as it was easier. Interbussing. Yeah, interbussing. Now, I went on my own, but I made some friends along the way. Well done, me. Including a couple of young women from New Zealand, Heather and Sarah. And a few weeks after I got back, the phone rang at my parents' house and I answered it and I heard a very familiar hello. And it was Heather, which is very exciting because we'd got on really well and I'd not spoken for a while now. And bear in mind, I'm in my 20s and living back with my parents. So there's not much going on in my life at this time. So she says hello and I'm immediately all like, ah, oh my God, hello, how are you? Like I'm super excited. And Heather sounds quite surprised about how happy and excited I am. But she tells me she's fine and asks how I am. So I'm telling her everything about what I'm up to. And then I'm asking what she's been doing. And she gets quite a muted reply or something like, oh, nothing much. And then she says, do you know who this is? And I'm starting to realise that this isn't Heather. It's my parents' friend, Sue, who isn't even from New Zealand, she's from South Africa. And I'm in a very embarrassing situation now because this is how a conversation would normally go if Sue called. Me, hello? Sue, hello, is your mum there? Me, yes, I'll just get her. (laughs) I'm so embarrassed that I can't quite bring myself to admit that I didn't know it was her. So when she says, do you know who this is? 
I say, yeah, Sue. And I try and keep up the levels of excitement <laughs> and friendliness, even though I've got nothing more to say. So it quickly peters out, peters out into, I'll just go and get mum then. <laughs> God. The second one was one Christmas. Both me and my sister are there, but my mum and dad are out at this particular moment. I'm 18, which is embarrassingly old for what happens next. So the phone rings and they answer it. I'd say I wouldn't dream of answering my parents' phone now if it rang, but you know, this is 1993. So I answer it and it's a man asking for my dad and I tell him he's not in and the man says, okay, please tell him that Arnold Schwarzenegger called. (laughs) My mind is completely blown. Like, why the hell is Arnie calling my dad? (laughs) Like, my brain is racing through all the possibilities. Are they friends? And my dad just never mentioned it. Maybe he's buying Southend United and he wanted to talk to the number one fan about what to do with the club. (laughs) Or had he heard about my dad's rat's tail and wanted someone sleazy looking to star on his new movie? None of these feel very plausible. So I'm in a state of shock. So I just tell Arnie that I'll let my dad know. And then I put the phone down. At which point my sister comes in the room and I could hardly get my words out. But I managed to say, Abigail, Arnold Schwarzenegger just rang up for dad. And my sister says, what? They can't have. Like, did he have an Austrian accent? No, he was more American, I say. And it's only on the can bit of American for even any kind of doubt to emerge in me. Well, do you not think it might have been dad's American cousin, Arnold Schwartz? That's my sister. Yes, okay. Yep, it, it might have been him. Yeah, you've got a point there. But I did get to enjoy about 20 seconds of my life where I genuinely, <laughs> stupidly thought Arnold Schwarzenegger had phoned my dad. If only my sister hadn't been there straight after, I could have gone a whole day. Soon people will know that we don't know what we're doing. Adrift. I'd look at the Drifters Facebook group before. Oh, yeah. I, tr- I try not to um, spend too much time on there because I, f- I feel like it would be like the teacher going and hanging around with the kids at playtime. <laughs> play like, they're having fun. They don't yeah. need me there. Mm, yeah. um, but I, I go in and have a look from time to time. I had a look before and somebody had posted, um, can somebody tell me how to cancel Patreon? Oh. Then they added, I haven't donated yet, oh. but I'd just like to know just in case I ever donate and then want to cancel it. <laughs> That's a really funny question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i thinking ahead now. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think I want to give money, but if I do, it's very likely I'm going to change my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need to know that there's a get out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, be assured that you can cancel it. Of course you can, yeah. At any time. Yeah, well, you know, we're very grateful for the support. Oh, it helps any us support. Keep the podcast going. Thank you, yeah. If you find yourself flush and you want to give us like $5 a month for a while and then drop it down to two or just oh, cancel it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But honestly, these, these donations really are the thing that help us keep the podcast going so um you can do so at patreon.com stroke adrift when you were younger this show was just getting going to Floyd and annabelle port with you now in your old age on to this week's the incident and this is another one of those things that has happened in my marriage oh okay so my wife works evenings hmm. not every evening but she she's out more than she's not out I mean, it could be that she's having an affair Mm -hmm. and she's just constructed this whole thing as an (laughs) elaborate ruse. But um, 
I'm, I'm willing to be in denial about that. Okay. Um, but anyway, the point is we don't get that many evenings together. And I, I really like spending e- evenings with my wife. Mm. I get her sort of moping around when she's not here. So it's always a treat when she is in. So she was in, it was after we recorded the la- podcast last week, actually. We mm. recorded it on a Tuesday and she was in on Tuesday evening. So I said, oh, what should we do? And she said, well, we can watch such and such on the telly. I thought, oh, that'd be good. And she said, and what about if I make this pasta? She makes a very nice pasta dish with uh, kale and tomatoes. Mm. It's, it's, it's excellent. Um, so I said, oh, yeah, I'd love that. I'd really love that. So we go about our days, and usually I will do bedtime for our son, but because she wasn't working in the evening, she did bedtime, and I carried on um, editing the podcast up here, oblivious to what's going on downstairs. Okay. So I go downstairs after bedtime, having done my editing, and I say, oh, we're going to have dinner. And she says, oh, actually, I I had mine while... Um, while I was doing bedtime, I had my, I, I, I cooked the pasta, so it's there mm. in the pan. Oh. But I already had it when Jean had his dinner. Oh, I said, but we were going to have dinner together yeah. while we watched the telly. She said, well, we're still going to be together watching the telly. Right. I said, but, but then I'm going to be eating my dinner on my own. Mm. And she said, <laughs> well, you know, I've got some um, popcorn. I could, I could eat the popcorn. <laughs> yeah. I said, but, but that's not the same. And she says, but it is the same. We're both going to be eating and we're both going to be looking at the television. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, but it's not the same because they're having the dinner, they're eating the same thing at the same time as a shared experience. Yeah. And now we're not going to have that shared experience. Okay. Mm. Who's right? Mm. Who's wrong? I find out in this week's The Incident. <laughs> I sought advice this week from my friend, the radio presenter, Catherine Boyle. Well, much as I hate to say this, because I like you both very much, uh, I would be quite put out if that was me, if I were you. Right. I would be quite put out by that. But, you know, because I'm in a relationship, I'm in a marriage where we barely spend evenings together because of the schedule I work on. So, you know, when we actually say we're going to sit down and watch a TV programme, it's not just about sitting down and watching a TV programme. So I completely get it. Why you would be put out by that, man? She'd gone ahead and done it without you. She'd had some selfish yes, pasta. She had a selfish pasta, but why, why isn't why isn't it why isn't it the same? Because she offered to eat some popcorn. If we were in a restaurant, I wouldn't be insisting like some weird controlling husband that she ate the same thing as I ate. What's no. what's the difference? Because it. Because the deed's already been done. That pasta's already on its way to a digestive system. She's done it now. There's no point trying to top it up with toast or... or, or, or it's the deed, man. It's not really about the meal, is it? It's about the... The betray- oh, the betrayal. without you. Yeah, how can you still live there? <laughs> how, how long have you been married for? 12 years. And, and this stuff still matters 12 years in, then? I think so, yeah. I think so. I mean... Uh, I think early on in our relationship, there may have been maybe one or two instances where he watched a program we've been watching together on his own. Oh, I mean that, no, that is the worst. That is the worst. So what? That's terrible. Uh, what are your joint programs and what are your separate programs? Uh, well, this is shameful, but you already have admitted to um, to Love Island, so I don't <laughs> feel bad about saying Geordie Shaw. 
we got really into Geordie Shaw when I was very pregnant and couldn't sleep. Wow. And I remember him coming downstairs and catching me watching this thing as if it was, you know, it pretty much is porn, to be honest. <laughs> and he went, what the hell is this? And I said, oh, it's terrible. It's awful. Look, these people just get drunk and make terrible sexual decisions and regret it in the morning. And sometimes there's a food fight. That's basically <laughs> it. And he went, that sounds awful. You know, 10 minutes later, we're both sitting there watching it and it's on, um, you know, it's on series link. So that that was years ago. And we st- we've seen a few incarnations of wow. the, basically the same plot every time. Wow. So so what about... So we watch Geordie Shaw. So what, what would a separate, what would a programme be that um, he doesn't care if you watch without him? And in fact, he probably sits there harumphing um, when, yeah. when you're watching it. Oh, well, Game of Thrones is one of those I'm allowed to watch on my own. He wasn't bothered about that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he never gave it a chance. The thing is, right, it, it's an odd relationship because he can commit to like a half hour or mindless programme like Geordie Shaw, mm. but anything, you know, massively intellectual and long like uh, like Game of Thrones, he's out. But he'll sit and watch cricket for a weekend. Right. Now, there's something I don't get. Mm. The level of concentration required for that... <laughs> Compared to, you know, boobs and battles. I, I, I don't understand why we're not grabbing his attention. But, you know, the man is a mystery and maybe that's why we've lasted as long as we have. <laughs> how, 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 would you, um, how would you recommend that I avert this the next time? Uh, just make it really clear that you um, would really like to sit down and eat. Because it, it's the sitting down and eating together, isn't it? That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, it goes it's back to ancient prehistoric times gathered around the fire, sharing a yeah. meal. Just say you want to you want to see that food go in at the time it goes in. <laughs> you don't want to sn- no more selfish pasta. Just tell okay. her that you know this, this cannot be no more Although, you know, selfish pasta. <laughs> Although I kind of get it, you know. When I suppose she's been looking after the baby. All right, all right. I, I prefer food just becomes I pref- fuel. I preferred it? your initial opinion, Kath. I'll be. Honest. <laughs> I'm trying to keep you two together because I really like you, but uh, I'm I'm worried for you guys. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're insightful and aligned with this vision, you might be ready for the next phase. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. I treated myself to a new shirt last week. Lovely. So I went to this little shop close to where I live and I tried on a few shirts and then I see this one that I really like and I put it on and I come out of the changing room and the woman who works there, she says, oh, that looks great. Which I've got that thing that I think everybody has where you think, are they just saying that? Yeah, or they on commission. Yeah. (laughs) I just think I'm somebody who doesn't look great. And if somebody goes, oh, you look great. No no matter what I'm wearing, like I could be wearing the finest tailored suit, Mm. but I don't think I would look great. And I think for somebody who works in the shop, who sees a lot of different people, you know, they're probably quite cool. They're into the fashion. To see me in a shirt going, oh, you look great. I just think you're being insincere. (laughs) But anyway, she, she then says, it's like a little bit Tony Soprano. Oh. And here's the thing. I don't think 
anybody is saying, uh, oh, it's a bit Tony Soprano, without there being a subtext of, you're an overweight guy in this. Oh, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking more kind of slightly sleazy looking. But like, well, there's there's yeah, that yeah. too. But I mean, I think like as soon as you liken somebody to Tony oh. Soprano, you're making that person think, God, this weight loss isn't going well oh, for me. Oh, no. I was once in Paris. I think I've, I've told you this story before, but I was once in Paris and I tried on a, a jumper and I came out of the changing room and the sort of very arch Parisian salesman looks at me and goes, uh, this, is, uh, this is not a good jumper for you. Maybe he didn't say jump at that thing. Like a French person <laughs> uh, says, this, this does not look good on you. Uh, this this is for a man who is tube. You are not tube. <laughs> You're not tube. What about that person I know who went to Thailand and had a suit made? And when he went back to pick up, he went, oh, hello, yes, Mr. Big, Big, Fat, Fat Man. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually count my blessings at least yeah. she didn't say that to me. It's the person that sometimes gets in touch with you, but then you don't talk to them very often because you're just, like, busy. And it's not that you don't like them. It's just that you don't like them that much. So you just kind of lose touch and uh, go... Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. All right, on to Quandary Corner at the Glatt Clinic in Problematic. It's the Rules School and the Knowledge College. This is where if you have a social situation and you need to know what the acceptable behaviour is in that social situation we will listen and then we will tell you we will tell you just give you the instructions on how to behave mm-hmm. it's just one this week because it's quite a long one yeah yeah uh, who is it from it's from louisa and what does louisa say okay several years ago i spent 10 days traveling around sri lanka with my friends claudia and amy we were ably guided and driven or not so ably driven no one drives around sri lanka ably around the island by gerard a hairy friendly later in years sri lankan man Several days into this journey, having nearly perished about 3,000 times, we are up in the beautiful mountains enjoying spectacular views. A little village nearby claimed to have an amazing spa that Gerald wholeheartedly encouraged us to go and spent a couple of hours at. He was very enthusiastic about it. Whenever guides are overly effusive about something like this, it usually has the opposite effect on me. It makes me cynical. I start thinking about how the attraction must be wildly overpriced and how he must be getting a huge cut of the money. I start to mentally debate whether this should affect his tip at the end of the trip. I become resentful of the experiences that, no doubt in future, when I look back, I'll remember as a highlight of the trip. (laughs) In spite of my psychological torment, we decide that we will avail the spa of its services. As Gerald dropped us off, his last words of advice were, If you have the option of a male masseur, take it. They are much stronger and better at massage. In we go, and to our delight, this isn't just a massage, this is a five-course spa treatment. We are asked to change into bikini bottles and wrap a towel around our top halves and go and wait in stage one, the sauna. We all sit there, quite happily chatting and wallowing in our own sweat. After a short while, a diminutive Sri Lankan lady comes and takes Amy. Poor Amy, I think. She's going to have a rubbish massage. Hope they aren't all weedy women working today. (laughs) Shortly after, an elderly but wiry and strong-looking man and a smaller woman approach. Imagine my glee when the man picks me. Brilliant, I think. I won. I've got a great (laughs) massage ahead of me. Amy is nowhere to be seen, but Claudia and I seem to be paired up. We sit next to each other for stage two, the head massage. Stage three, Claudia goes and climbs into what can only be described as a coffin with herbs in it. They shut the lid and light a fire under her. So far, so good. Meanwhile, I'm having a foot soak. For stage four, Claudia and I swap treatments. Even after experiencing it, I do think it was a coffin. 
on to stage five, the massage. I'm so pleased I have the man. This is going to be amazing. I'm asked to lie down on my back with an eye mask on and the towel lengthways along my body covering my breasts and hips. The masseur starts my legs and it's great. It's relaxing. He's getting into the deep tissue. I can hear but can't see Claudia on a bed a metre or so away asking her lady to be a bit firmer. Claudia is quite pushy and the woman either didn't understand or couldn't do it any harder. Either way, I can hear Claudia asking a second and third time. This increased my glee at having a strong man. (laughs) And despite of being happy with having a male masseur, I was also quite conscious of having so much exposed flesh and an unknown man pummeling away, as I have it in my head that Sri Lanka is quite a modest country. At the next stage of the massage, the man folded up the sides of the towel so that he could access my arms and shoulders. I blush. I can tell the towel has been folded up quite a lot, and I can feel that it's only just covering my nipples on both sides and some of my breasts is exposed. What do I do? Am I being taken advantage of? Do I say something? Do I quietly swat his hand away to make a point, but (laughs) do it with minimal fuss? I do not know how to handle this. Note, at no point did I consider screaming and kicking him off me. I could never cause such a scene. This deliberation went on for so long, he was able to complete both arms. At this point, I thought we'd reached the end and I breathed a sigh of relief that this awkward situation was over. How wrong I was. He dramatically and elaborately swiped the whole towel away from my body like a matador tempting a bull with a red cape and proceeded to what I can only describe as swoosh his hands down my chest, between my breasts and back up the outsides. I am dying. Surely this is not right. I've never had a topless massage before and I've had quite a few. My mind is clamouring with panicking thoughts, but amongst the ding are two dominant ones. One, don't make a scene. And two, is this happening to Claudia? I have an eye mask on, I can't see anything. And for the first time in what seems like an hour, Claudia is silent and not telling her woman to press harder. Unable to decide what to do, I do nothing, as is my want. So I sit it out and endure what is definitely not a nice relaxing massage. Having survived and scuttled off to the shower, in walks Claudia, smiling and relaxed. He massaged my boobs, I hiss. Did she massage yours? Claudia confirmed she had experienced the same thing. Further, the reason she'd gone so quiet was that she was stifling her giggles. It occurred to her that if she was topless and having a boob massage by a lady, I must have been experiencing the same thing, but with a wiry elderly man. Question. How could I have handled the situation any better? Was there any way I could have enjoyed the massage? Oh God! I mean, this is a this is a thorny one, isn't it? It's a big question. I do remember this being in an episode of Catastrophe. She goes for a massage. Those and has an in room massage, right. and the man massages her booze, but the husband had fallen asleep. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. So I yeah. think it, this is an issue for some people. But it, so so that was, a, in that episode, that was a specific thing. The masseur was in the wrong, right, in that episode. I don't know because I think, I do think that if you're having a full body massage, why skip around the boobs? So this, He wasn't but, actually, he was massaging between and I think around. What, he was swooshing, I he remember was swooshing. swooshing. He was swooshing. So, so, so what makes this difficult is there's a cultural aspect to it, right? Exactly, yeah. You're in Sri Lanka, you don't know what the norms are. No. I don't know what the norms are in Sri Lanka. You know, I I prefer to not have a massage. <laughs> Just to avoid all this. To avoid... So if I've hurt myself, hmm. 
I'll go for a massage or go for some kind of physiotherapy. Right. Otherwise, I don't need people t- touching my body. The only reason I ever enjoy a massage really is when people say, oh, you're so stressed. Uh, oh, you're so tight. Right, right. Oh, my God, you must have it hard. Like, And if I could pay somebody really to sit in a room and say that to me without touching my body, <laughs> I would happily do that. Maybe that's what Reiki is, really. Yeah. But um, it's the cultural aspect. You know, you don't mm. know what is normal in Sri Lanka. And you might really offend him by because he's thinking, well, I'm not being pervy. I'm just giving you, like, because you're yeah. insinuating he's being pervy. Yes, you're basically exactly. saying you're yeah, a pervert. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that the female massage therapist did it to Claudia as mm, well suggests mm. that is just part of the deal there. I've had my bottom massage before, a bit surprisingly. Like, like when you're lying on your front and they do your back and then they've, they've sort of pummeled the bottom and I haven't expected that necessarily. But I just think it's, it's a whole body massage. It's not like a pervy thing, is it? It's just the whole body. They should show you a diagram of the human body before you start. Oh, yes, And then yes. you should point to the bits where you don't want to be touched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, when someone has plastic surgery and they like get a pen and like draw on their body, <laughs> like, yes, no, yes, no. That, that makes it very easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think maybe that's a solution for Louisa for the future. Yeah, I think so. Although my solution of not letting people touch you yeah, is, is pretty, probably, good. Probably pretty good easier. as well. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, um, that's, that's a different, I feel that's one of the most difficult ones mm. we've had. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. And write us a review on iTunes if you're feeling creative and you want to do some creative writing. If not, just give us some stars. That comes in very handy. And I'll tell you what else comes in very handy. Money. Support us on Patreon. Patreon.com stroke adrift. Thanks to Man in the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And thanks to Catherine Boyle for the advice this week. You can hear Kath every weekday night along with Ian Lee on the Late Night Alternative on Talk Radio and you can also find her on Twitter at Flipping Kath. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our idents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. If you haven't yet shared your story of social failure with us and your fellow drifters, then uh, do it this week. Email hello at adriftpodcast.com. And finally, one last question. How's your fanny? Adrift. Adrift. This comes from Bethan Williams, who says, Greetings, Jeff and Annabelle. Greetings. Greetings. You two have long been a part of my listening experience, and I'm so glad that having left the radio medium, you've created a podcast for me to become increasingly addicted to, stroke dependent on. Dependent, yes. love it. Hooked, mm. really like that. I'd like to take this opportunity to relay a brief tale about how you two once vastly improved my day. About five or six years ago, my boyfriend at the time broke up with me. He stayed over one last time and then left early the next morning, his exit ushering in a new era of being single again. Mm. 
after he left, I was feeling pretty down and decided to listen to your radio show to cheer myself up. Your texting topic was dreams. I text you to tell you about a dream I'd had. I'd been able to fly, but I'd chosen to just circle the skies above the local supermarket car park. <laughs> uh, you read out my text and Jeff said that not many people have flying dreams. Not sure how factual that is, but I chose to believe it. (laughs) And then he said I was a special person. It was a throwaway comment, but in that moment, it turned my day around. I was no longer, it was no longer the day my relationship ended, but instead the day that Jeff said I was special. So cheers for that. I do think that's true. Do you have flying dreams? Yeah. You do? I thought it was normal. No, only special people have them. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have them. You do. No. You've never had a flying no, never. dream. No. I feel embarrassed now saying I have, like, I'm special. Well, you are. I mean, some really? of us, you know, you either got it or you ain't. Is this something, that, is this a fact? Yeah. Any, any, want to give me any facts and figures or just this yeah, fact? Yeah, it's, a, you know, um, several studies done by various uh, dream analysts across different universities, you know, then they, they advance the hypothesis. Right. Just because you're, says... you're saying the word hypothesis. <laughs> okay, I don't, mean... know. I don't know where I uh, Right. Where I but you did read it somewhere. Yeah, so, yeah, not many people have them. It's special. Mm. Um, now, on to my shameless request for a podication. Could you please dedicate an episode to my wonderful... I've had a dream where I've been in a plane. Not the same, no. probably. Um, Look at me dismissing your attempts to be <laughs> you're special. You're not one of us. <laughs> I'm already like, you're not being, like me and being, Bethan. being elitist. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, on to my shameless request for a publication. Could you please dedicate an episode to my wonderful boyfriend and best friend, Tommy? Oh, Tommy. 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 He's better than that loser who stayed over that one last time when yeah. he had a flying dream. Way yeah. better. Um, and could you dedicate it to me, too, because I'm cool and totally deserve to have a podcast dedicated to me. I'm very special and I have flying dreams. Yeah. Much love or a socially acceptable level of affection, Bethan Williams. <laughs> Bethan. Um, uh, I enjoy those little stories uh, as and when they pop up. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, you know. Because um, these are just throwaway remarks. You don't remember saying them. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that somebody else does is so odd. Um, but I'm glad my throwaway remark had an effect that day. Um, and I hope things are great with you and Tommy. Sound like they are, because Tommy's a great guy. Well, I mean, Beth and special, though, isn't she? I mean, yeah, yeah. Tommy's lucky to be with her. <laughs> uh, so there we go. That's the podcast. And if you would like a podication, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. 
And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 